My name is Mark Speeder. I'm lead pastor here at Antioch. Just want to welcome you. If you're new here, we'd love to meet you afterwards. And like Craig said, we love Jesus. We have an incredible God who came to the earth for you and me. There's no other God out there like our God. There's no other message out there like our message. That's why we want to get out in our city and love our city and meet people. So great opportunity after church and, and even more than that. We want to love Jesus and invite you to jump in with us as we do the same. Um, well, hey, uh, so if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we've been going through a sermon series called The Family of God. And as we prayed about what um, God was doing, we actually had a great sermon series in the book of Jonah lined out and really just felt like God kind of redirected us to do this series. And there's all kinds of uh, unique confirmation. I really just believe God is doing something in our church in the area of taking us deeper as a spiritual family. And kind of throughout this series, you'll hear me talk about natural family and spiritual family. Uh, but I believe this is God's idea. You know, I don't believe God was like, oh, they're having babies now. What should we call this? I wonder, that, oh, a, a, a design, like a family would be a good design. Like they could actually be like a unit. Now, I believe this was God's design before the creation of the earth to create family on the earth. We see in, from Genesis to Revelation, God moving through families and the family unit. God wanted to create something beautiful and messy that changes lives, that puts purpose and identity on the next generation and releases them into their calling. And so it's no coincidence that when we look at scripture that one of the main analogies that God uses about the church is that the church is a spiritual family one another. One of the passages that we've been kind of reading and looking at in this series is Ephesians chapter 2. I want to take a look at that. By the way, if you need a Bible, if you don't have one, we love the Word of God. We'd love to put one in your hands. Just put your hand up if you need a Bible. Uh, you can actually keep it if you don't have one. Our Bible guys are walking down the aisle. Thank you, Bible guys. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians is a book about the church and God's design for the church and, and how he wants to release his church into the good works that he did, uh, the work that he did on the cross. And so it's a beautiful picture of God's purpose for the church. And throughout it, we see this familial language, including in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are the fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. There you see it again. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you're also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I love that. Guys, we have an incredible father. I don't know what your family situation is like growing up, but we have an incredible father who's adopted us if you are a believer. And we talked a few weeks ago about the difference between uh, church being a business or a family. That in one way, we, I, I like customer service. I go pay for my food and I want to get served. But if I take that attitude home into my wife, I'm like, hey, babe, I'm home from work. Medium rare, right? And uh, oh, can you take my shoes off? And that gets a little weird, right? By the way, I don't do that at home. Uh, it gets a little weird when we take the business mindset into the family. And same with the family of God, right? Um, God designed uh, the natural family to be a beautiful, messy thing where lives get transformed. And same with the church. God designed it to be a 
beautiful and messy thing where we are in relationship with God and one another. And y'all, I believe it's what the world is longing for. Last week, we talked about family being a place where we discover our identity and our value. And so we talked about the church being a place that by the power of the work of the cross, we live as new people. And we encourage one another and call one another up to the new people and to the pure people and to the holy people and to the beloved people that God has called us to be that remind each other of how much God loves us and champions one another, one another's value and destiny. So... Um, this week, I want to talk about family is a place that we grow up in who we're called to be. Family is a place that we grow up in who we're called to be. And we saw that in our Ephesians 2 passage we just read, that the, the whole structure of the church is growing up uh, on the foundation of Christ. And you'll see it again. We're going to go two chapters forward in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to see another passage on God's design for the church as family. We're going to start in verse... 11 of chapter 4 is talking about unity uh, in the body of Christ. And um, starting verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints, that's you and me if we're believers, to equip the saints. We talked about that last week. The Bible doesn't call believers sinners. It calls us saints, right? It's an amazing thing. He, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is ahead into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Wow. A lot of big, powerful words. You see God's kind of macro design there for the church, right? You see how God wants <clears throat> to move. And so I want to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to dive in here. Father, thank you for your beautiful uh, design for your people. Thank you that you called us to be your family. I pray that this family here at Antioch would be a spiritual family where people grow into uh, who they're called to be in God, that, that we grow up into maturity, as this passage is talking about, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as often, I want to take this as an opportunity to brag on my kids. So I got a couple fresh pictures, and just, again, Sorry, y'all, you're, uh, you're in this church, and so when I'm up here, I'll, I'm going to talk about my kids because I like them. So I get that first picture uh, up there. We, uh, if you don't know us, we got three kids. If you can get the one up, the three kids. Uh, that's three kids. Uh, yes, uh, it's how we dress, you know, kind of a little redneck, uh, just, you know, rain boots and diapers. Um, so, <coughs> um, so these kids are awesome. They're a blast. Um, they're, they're a handful, a lot of energy, but they're, they're incredible. So this is us the other day when it was a Southern California downpour, a few drops of rain. Um, if I can get to the other, uh, go back to that Valentine's Day date. This is me taking my daughter. Uh, I surprised her at school, a little Valentine's Day date, and got her some flowers. And uh, so it was fun to kind of sneak her away from her friends. And Dad come and scoop her up. I brought her the in and out. So for the win. Uh, again, this is our youngest, Eden, if you want to turn to the next picture. 
She does prefer diaper-only outfit, but we convinced her to put a shirt on in this picture. I don't know how. It's like doesn't matter what the weather is. She just prefers only diaper. Um, <clears throat> so she's one and a half years old. Yeah, I could just show you pictures all day. And I think I'm just having this realization of how quickly this goes as parents. Now, those of y'all who are ahead of us, you're like, yes, it goes quickly. And so I'm realizing, like, I can't. I want to just bottle it up. I realize I can't, so I'm just trying to like live, be as present as possible in every moment because they're going quickly. I'm just like, they're so amazing. And honestly, now there are a few ages of my kids that I, I, I don't want to press pause. I'm like, I love you, and if we just get to the next stage, this will be easier, right? But most stages, I just want to press pause and like, can I just keep you here? I mean, like my daughter's one and a half, and she's adorable. And she's, when she wants to be able, she goes, uppy, uppy, uppy. And I, can I just pause that and keep that forever, right? <clears throat> but the reality is if my kids stayed the same 10 or 15 years from now, that would be kind of weird, right? <clears throat> like picture my four-year-old son. He's 18 years old. He's in a four-year-old body trying to drive a car, but he still acts like a four-year-old too <clears throat> and talks like a four-year-old. That would be kind of where there would be concern. We'd be like, hey, we should probably call the doctors. My extended family might get involved and be like, hey, you know, what's going to, he's 18 years old and he's, he's this tall and he's trying to drive a car, but he can't use, you know, even great English. What's going on? You know, he, are you feeding him? Are you, you know, there'd be some concern. We'd probably call some, some doctors, right? And we wouldn't be just like, oh, he's just not pressing into growth, you know? It's not really like his thing this season. He's just kind of doing his thing, you know? No, we would be concerned, like, bro, you're not growing, you know? It's normal for kids to grow up. They may have growth spurts. They may have seasons where they're not growing as much. You know, they may have, when it comes to the emotional side of things, there may be some difficult seasons. But overall, it's normal for kids to grow up in the family. And I think it's the same way in the family of God. But don't we so often, we, we expect it to be like this abnormal, amazing thing when we grow. We're like, oh, it's just normal if we're not growing, you know, just, it's just normal a few years go by. Y'all, if I'm not growing, even as your pastor, you gotta look at me like, Mark, something's wrong, bro. You haven't grown in a year. Like, what's going on, man? Like, we love you, but yet you haven't grown. You're, the, you're just the same person. You haven't grown. You don't know God more. You don't, you haven't uh, gotten deeper in your marriage or deeper in your parenting or more free. You haven't grown in a year. Now, we're all immature at different points of our walk with God. We're all in process, but it's normal in the family of God to be growing into who we're called to be. And that's good news, y'all, because of the power of the work of the cross, that can be normal. You don't have to stay spiritually five years old, right? If you're there, that's totally okay, but God has even more for you, right? If you're in an awkward kind of spiritual puberty spot where it's like, I'm not where I was, and I'm not where I need to be, and I'm just kind of in this awkward in-between zone, we all have spiritual puberty at times, but the good news is you don't have to stay there, <clears throat> right? God's desire for us and God's portion for us in the cross is freedom, God's portion for us is to look like Jesus. God's portion for us as believers is wholehearted worship, not because we have to, but because we want to. 
because I'm going to knock the keyboard down, because we want to, right? God's portion for us is not to be self-focused, but others-oriented, right? To grow up, to look more like Jesus, and to be okay with a messy process and many years of getting there, right? But I believe many of us are stunted because we don't approach church as a family. We treat it more like a business. So it's like, it's like we go to church, we're like, why are you asking me questions about my life? Like, I'm just trying to come to church, right? But it's a family, y'all, you know? So like, I come home, and sometimes my kids are like, I'm like, how was your day? And sometimes they're like, uh, you know, but I'm like, I care. I want to know. We care about, we talk. It's what we do as a family. We talk. We get into one of those worlds. We talk. And you know what? Even though they don't like it, you better believe they're so thankful they're being pursued. You know what they're starting to do? They're starting to pursue one another. They're starting to care for one another. Hey, I, I, when my five-year-old asked my four-year-old how your day was, on her own, I'm like, this is amazing. And it's so fun to watch their relationship, although there's many trials and tribulations in that relationship. <laughs> At times, it's so fun to watch it grow, right? It's God's design. So it's, it's, it's like I said, it's normal uh, in God's design for us to grow in family. Now, how, how does he do that in church? Of course, he does it out of relationship with Jesus. He does it in Scripture. I'm, I'm having a blast reading the Word of God these days. It's just been so, I'm just so much in the Word, man. I, we grow in prayer. I want to look specifically, though, in this passage in, in Ephesians 4. How, how, how does God grow us? Because this is what this is talking about, right? Y'all says we don't have to stay tossed about by everyone. Who's tired of being tossed around, right? Come on, y'all. This is exciting. You don't have to stay there. You don't, a, a hard day comes up. You don't have to stay tossed around. Something doesn't go your way. You don't have to stay getting tossed around, right? God's growing us. It's okay to be in process because we all are, and God is growing us into maturity. One of the ways, I'm just going to hit this briefly, and we're going to spend most time talking about relationship, but one of the ways that God does is church leadership and, and, and the leaders in the church. Ephesians chapter 4, he gave, uh, verse 11, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up of the body of of Christ, And so um, you see some different gifts here, and these are kind of church leadership gifts. Uh, this apostle is a small A, so it's different than the 12 apostles. You know, no one's writing the Bible. No one's adding to the Bible. These are more kind of sent ones, um, or this, that word means sent one. Um, so it's a type of a, a leadership gift, kind of a starter, a sent one, a missionary. Um, the prophets, right? These people are focused on, you know, what is God doing? What is God saying? Um, evangelists, right? Their, their concern is for the lost. And so all these different giftings are helping the church in these areas. And you have shepherds and teachers. And some commentators would put these kind of together as, as one office. Um, but these people are caring for the flock. They're teaching the word of God. They're, they're concerned about the well-being of the flock and that the flock is growing in the word and is lined up with the word of God, right? So Thankful, and it's so fun to watch God growing different leaders, whether it's kind of in these offices or just as life group leaders and other various capacities in this church, but so proud of all you guys stepping up and serving as leaders, and God organically growing this body is so fun. Um, but what does it say then? Who is doing the ministry? It's not saying, okay, 
we're all going to come to church every Sunday, and these people are going to kind of be slick people. And they're going to kind of do the ministry, and we're all going to come in and kind of like rate how they're doing. They're like, okay, that was awesome. That was good. You know? No, it says their job. This is big, because this is God's design here for our family, right? God has equipped them to equip us for the work of the ministry, right? Y'all see the difference there? A little nuance. So, right, if I'm in a business, right, if I'm going to pay and I'm a customer, it's kind of, if, if they're like, hey, could you actually go do a couple of dishes and could you care for these uh, customers over here because they need a little, you know, love and care. That would be weird, you know. I'd be like, oh, you know, like <laughs> coming to enjoy a meal here, not coming to go do a dish. In the family, we care for one another, right? Doesn't family care? I don't know what kind of family you grew up, but even in broken, messed up families, you know, if someone to come after your sibling, I don't care if you've never resolved issues with them from your childhood, you're going to go to bat for them, all right? You're going to care for them. Like, like I said it a few weeks ago, uh, I was in college and some guys seriously pursuing my, my sister who's older. I flew home and took him to lunch and led him to Jesus. <laughs> That's what we do in family, right? <clears throat> family looks out for itself. Family cares for itself. And it's a beautiful thing. Scripture says that God puts the lonely in family, right? That's God's desire is to equip us for the work of the ministry. God doesn't want just a few leaders discipling everyone. God is raising up an army and a family of hundreds of people in this church who are going to care for one another. God is raising up a family and an army in this church of hundreds of people who are going to care for the person that walks in the door or care for you. And God is raising you up to care for the person next to you. Isn't that beautiful? Right? We all want to be cared for by the expert. We all want to be cared for by the best. But God's design is actually like, okay, you want to grow? Keep praying. Keep reading the word. But I'm actually going to put you in some messy relationships. And so we're like, hey, God, grow me. And God's like, all right, I got you in some relationships with some people. Right? Now, y'all... I lead a life group. I know it's not the best thing, you know, since, but listen, and let, I, I'm not like an edgy word-using pastor, but y'all, when I think of like the community God's called us to do, life group isn't sexy, y'all. Like, the reality is, it's, it's not like the most exciting thing, you know? You're not going to have like a smoke machine at Life Group, you know? I mean, if you are, bless you. Uh, <laughs> tell me how that model is working, you know? <laughs> but in and of itself, right, because it's real relationship, you can dress up relationships as much as you want, but as I've said before in this series, if I'm in it, it's going to be imperfect, if you're in it, it's going to be imperfect. And that's actually where God says, that's where we're going to grow. It might be slow. It might be unimpressive. It might be, but it is authentic, and it, God wants to grow us, right? And so, again, relationships are messy. When I think of my kids, it's like, we can do the best family devotional in the world, and it'll be like 30 seconds. We just were in like the glory of like, 
God says we love one another, and our kids are like, yes, we're going to love one another. And like 30 seconds later, they're like, you know, fighting with one another. But um, scripture, you know, right here, when we minister to one another, when we build one another, when we speak the truth and love one another, then we will be mature, no longer tossed about to and fro growing up into that. Now, why are relationships so unique from what happens here on Sunday? This is uniquely powerful. We believe what happens here is uh, can't be replaced. The teaching of the word and gathering is a larger church family. But it's in relationship we can be known by other people. It's in relationship we can be cared for in individual ways. There's no way I can care for everyone. There's no way we as church leadership can care for you in every way on Sunday. It's in relationships with other people. We can get feedback from other people. I don't know what's going on in your life, you know. I don't, I, you, you can't be like, hey, how's my marriage? I don't know, you know. I see you on Sunday and you look pretty. I don't know, you look nice. That's about all I know. It's in relationship with people we can be ministered to by one another in the gifts of the Spirit. It's in relationship with one another we can be accepted. You can try and look good from afar, but you'll always be insecure. I mean, of course, our security comes from God. But we long to be accepted not when we have the smoke machines and makeup on. We long to be accepted as we are, and so Christ accepts us as we are, and so that's what the church is to do, right? I know there's, you know, video services out there and this thing and that thing and, like, our, our the, like yeah, our, like, online campus. Nothing will replace being together with someone else, right? <coughs> so um, that means we get real. We get real with one another, I like coming on Sunday because I'm going to look nice, you know. But the reality is, is none of us see 360 degrees perfectly. You know what I mean? You ever had food in your teeth and it's like been hours and no one told you and finally someone told you, you're like, my whole front two teeth are covered up by a piece of lettuce. Like, why didn't anyone tell me? It looks like I have no teeth in the front, you know. <clears throat> like, really? I can't see half my body. Like, kind of funny, you know, I'm like, for better or for worse, we can't see half our body, you know, it's just like, I don't, I haven't seen my back in years, you know, like a good look. <laughs> you know, I said, wife, how am I doing back, I, I cannot see, I cannot see what's in my mouth, right, I cannot see what's in the back of my head, I need y'all to see that for me, right, God wants to create a family. You know, you're thankful when someone tells you you got lettuce in your teeth. God wants to create a family where we say, hey, I, I see that thing in your back you don't see, but I'm going to love you anyways. Right? God wants to create a family. Scripture says this uh, in, in, in verse 14 and 15. So that we may no longer be tossed, uh, be like children tossed to and fro by the, you know, carried about by every wave and wind of doctrine, human coming, craft, uh, craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, what speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in him who is the head into Christ. Right, of course, we're all like, how do I grow? Jesus, of course. But God is like, I actually want to put you in relationships with people where you're going to speak the truth in love. That includes last week when I talked about like, hey, you're a man of God. I know you don't act like it right now, but you're pure. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're his beloved. 
And also, is relationships where, hey, I love you, but there's some lettuce in your teeth, you know? And what is the result? What is the result of that? Verse 15, it says, we'll, uh, uh, sorry, I lost some over here. But rather speaking the truth in love, we will grow up at that point. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> we will grow up when we're speaking honest encouragement and love and even feedback to one another at times. Right? And I want to say, I love people speaking into my life because it's born incredible fruit. I love people speaking to my life. In every season of my life, I have numerous people. I know I'm the lead pastor or whatever. I have numerous people speaking to my life, some from this church and some outside this church. And I'm going to them saying, hey, speaking to my life, man, give me plenty of encouragement. Right? That's good. And speaking to my marriage, speaking to my parenting, speak. What are you all seeing? Because I want to grow. Right? It's normal to want to grow. I want to grow. <clears throat> And I could look back at the places in my life and where people were like, just told me, uh, hey, man, you know, uh, we don't treat women like that. You know, early on as a new believer, that conversation changed my life. You're a man of God. You're better than that. Or, um, hey, man, God has something more for you. Those conversations changed my life. And uh, I especially love it in places, you know, that... I'm weaker, you know. My weaknesses, I need people around me to help me places I can't see as well. Hey, why do I keep tripping up here? Dating, parenting, marriage, these places that we tend to not want feedback the most, sometimes we need the most input from others. Of uh, Pastor Greg, Craig Rochelle said it like this, the places we tend to get the most defensive tend to be the places we need the most feedback. The places we tend to get the most defensive tend to be the places we need the most feedback. And so, at each step of the way, I've said, man, I need to surround myself with wise counselors and people around me who can speak into each area of my life. Doesn't mean that they're God, doesn't mean I have to do whatever they say or they, you know, their scripture. No, I take what they say before the Lord, uh, but. So thankful for, for wise people, wise men, and wise couple each step of the way. That means, you know, we walk in humility. What humility looks like in relationships is asking for feedback. What humility looks like in relationships is say, I need help. What humility looks like is leaning into the relationships around us. Are we asking for input? into our lives from people we love and trust. What I've found to do is none of us, uh, we all want to encourage one another, and few of us want to actually kind of give some feedback. What I like to do is make it easy for people by telling them, please give me feedback. Are you giving permission to a few people around you to speak in your life? All right, y'all, I know this isn't the most exciting part of my talk, but this is a real talk here. This is the gospel worked out. Right? This is loving one another so we can grow up. Y'all, I don't want y'all to be in the same place, you know, and I, you're not. Y'all grown. You're awesome. But we don't want to be in the same place five years from now. We want to be a mature church of people whose very lifestyles change the world around us because we've been transformed. And this is God's design. So uh, I know it might not be the favorite part of my sermon, but 
just, we're getting real here. Awesome. And so the reality is, as we're in relationship with one another, like I said, it's going to be imperfect. There's going to be some frustration or some offense from time to time, and our tendency uh, is to say, man, man, I was walking in a relationship, and I got hurt, so I guess it's not family. And I want to say, no, you know, it actually means you are in a relationship with someone that's more than just surface. We're going to step on toes, right? We're different people from one another. We're different wired. We're different gifted. We see the world a bit different, and that's the beauty of this thing, right? But the reality is, is some of those meaningful relationships sometimes carry a little hurt that we work through. And God's design for us is not to go certain level of depth in relationship and then stop because we're afraid of getting hurt. God's design is for these relationships, y'all, to look so different than the world. The Bible says we'll know who we are. The world will know by the way we love one another. That doesn't mean you're not going to have offense. It doesn't mean you're not going to get hurt. It actually means that we have the power from the good news of Jesus to work through those when they come up so we can have actually supernaturally healthy relationships because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news, y'all? I don't know where you're at in your marriage, but you don't have to be stuck in whatever pattern you're in. I don't know where you're at in feeling frustrated with roommates or friends. You don't have to stay stuck there. We have the power of the gospel, and um, God's design isn't for us to run or to wall up, but to work through, to work through. And so that's with our kids in our home. It's normal for us to kind of say, when they're having a conflict, to work it through. We don't just say, uh, you know, no. We treat them to honor one another early on, saying it's normal to honor people. It's normal to work through conflict. And we're going to work that through, and we're going to ask each other for forgiveness, and then we're going to move forward. And uh, by the grace of God, hopefully, you know, we're raising kids where it's normal to have healthy relationships. And, man, as a, someone who's leading this staff and as a husband, I'm always going to people, saying, <laughs> asking for forgiveness, right? We operate differently because of the good news in this house than the world does, Right? I have a few uh, kind of H's from Romans 12. I put up a couple weeks ago. Let me put that up. We operate differently in this house than the people outside in the world. We honor because of the work on the cross. We work hard because we're free and people are worth honoring. Therefore, we work hard. We have healthy conflict, right? We have... Um, we're hospitable to one another, and we're honest and vulnerable and get real with one another. Okay? So just a few practicals as we end, because my goal is to give you tools, whether it's people in this church or people in your extended family or people uh, or your marriage or your friendships, a few tools to kind of help us. And first and foremost, I want to encourage us when it comes to uh, our relationships, if you're having a miss, I want to encourage you to start by owning it. So turn to someone nice and say, own it. Own it. Blaming and complaining will never change you. Pointing the finger at someone else will never change you. Go back to Genesis 3, right? It didn't work very well. What happened when the fall happened? 
well, the snake, well, the woman, well, the guy, you know, it's just, don't we do that, you know, in our relationships? If you're married or you have a relationship where you're stuck, I guarantee you, go back and own it and it will change. In our marriage, when I actually said, hey, this is a, because it was usually a two-way thing, right? Uh, in places where I said, hey, I'm actually going to own my deal and repent, that's where it actually changed, right? Actually taking responsibility for my side and saying, I'm actually going to change. I'm not just going to feel bad that I did that. That's not repentance. I'm actually going to examine myself by the Holy Spirit and say, God, would you show me, you know, my wrong here? And actually say, I'm believing something wrong, and I'm living wrong. I'm actually going to make a change that I'm going to commit to, right? That'll change. Scripture calls us to take the log out of our own eyes so we can take the speck out of our brother's eyes. Start by owning it. Now, secondly, there's two types of offenses, right? Like I said, there's usually two-way, some way or the other. Two types of offenses. Sometimes it's on our end, and sometimes it's on the other end. Just practically here, Matthew chapter 5 says this. So I'm going to start by um, if we have offended someone, right? This is a big deal according to God. We're going to see it in Scripture, Matthew chapter 5. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Woo! Y'all, is he saying that in that moment, Racial, uh, uh, relational reconciliation is more important than my worship. It's because it's tied to worship, right? We can't have all kinds of offenses out there and just come on and put a face in a church and be like, hey, you know, how was your week? Good. How was your week? Good. You know, just my wife hates me right now. We're good, you know. <clears throat> I'm not going to deal with it. No, he says, hey, leave the worship service and pull your wife aside and repent and then come back in. Go to the person sitting a few rows apart and say, hey, I actually did this, repent, and then come back and worship, right? But we have fragmented relationships and we get stuck. And I believe, honestly, we, we miss God's full blessing there. It's because we, we, we honor people in this family because of the work of Jesus. So just practically, how do I, man, if I've offended someone, I just want to give you some practicals here, right? Offended someone. Um, so again, it's not like, hey, like every little tiny thing, like, hey, you know, I smelled funny. Sorry about that. No, like if you actually, if you sinned or something you did affected someone, right? So it's not like every nitpicky thing. But you want to, uh, number one, right? We want to initiate specific conversation, right? Be specific. Hey, here's what I did. Here's why I think it was wrong. And here's how I think it might have affected you, right? That's one we kind of helps us to get convicted. It's like, I actually did this, and this probably negatively affected you. And I want to ask for forgiveness here. Secondly, then we want to listen, right? Because God's goal isn't just for us to feel better about ourselves. God's goal is reconciliation and restoration, Right? And so you want to give both people time to talk. Listen, what do they need to share? And then how has it affected them? And if more has come up, like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I didn't intend that. Right? Um, 
And then forgiveness and restoration. Receive forgiveness and put it in the past, right? We let go of someone uh, by the power of the gospel to set them free. Now, if they're not willing to receive it or something like that, we don't need to wait for them to receive forgiveness for us to be free, right? At that point, we say, man, by faith, all right, I'm moving on. I, I took responsibility. I made restoration if I need to, uh, but I'm moving on, right? So are there people in our lives that on our end we need to be reconciled with? So how about on the other end, right? Because sometimes we take offense as something someone else does, and we get walls up in our relationship, and we don't move past that. Scripture says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two or others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I want to pause there. So, um, So why do we do this? Because we value the relationship. When someone comes to me and says, man, I have a question on why you did this, or this offended me. You know what? Although it stings a little bit, I'm usually like, thank you, because you just communicated to me that you value our relationship enough to have a conversation that probably wasn't comfortable, right? So why do we do this? Because we value the other person. We value relationship. And so, um, so again, the goal isn't to like be teetotalers and every nitpicking thing that someone did be like, what did you mean by that? What did you, it just, the goal is not to like have a million of these conversations, but the goal is, man, if, it, if something was hurtful and it was sticking with you, you know, if, if you can just let it go, let it go and move on. Forgive, move on, right? That's my default. But if something is sticking with you, you feel like, man, that was a sin or it needs to be addressed or that really is putting a barrier in our relationship, and I, I love this person. I don't want a barrier. Then we go have a humble conversation, Right? And so, how do we do that? Number one, according to the scripture, it says, go to them personally, right? We don't talk to five people about it to feel better about ourselves first, and then go talk to them, or we don't talk to a bunch of people and feel better about ourselves, I don't even need to talk about it because I feel better, because everyone feels sorry for me now, right? No, that's not restoration, that's not what the Bible says either, it says, go to them personally, if you need to work something out in your heart and you need some counsel, go to a trusted person that was not going to take sides, right? So we're not triangulating. What is that? We're not winning other people over on our side and making them have the conversation for us. We go to them personally and say, hey, uh, and if you need, like I said, if you need to talk to one person who's a trusted person, uh, great, to work it out. But go to them personally and just practically, right? Be specific, right? Just in general, you know. That's really difficult when it's a bunch of generalities. But say, hey, this is what happened. This is what, you know, you did. And here's how it made you feel. Or here's kind of, so be specific. Number three, take ownership of anything on your side. It's almost always a two-way street. We take this log out of our own eye before we take the speck out of someone else's eye. And say, hey, here's what happened. Now, I might have, da, 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 right? I probably did this. And I... If, if that's what I, I'm sorry about that, forgive me. <clears throat> Hear them out, anything on their side, and then give forgiveness and release offense, and then be restored. And then number six, pull in a trusted person <clears throat> if it doesn't work out. You know, we've had to do this in our marriage before. 
Does that mean we don't love one another? No, it means we're two people from two different sides trying to figure out how we love one another. So we're like, hey, let's get another couple to step in or another person to step in who we trust and just help us work it through, help us talk it through so we can fully be on the same page, right? So at times, it's what we do in church, right? We, we get in one another's world and help talk it through if for whatever reason we're not able to see eye to eye and sometimes uh, you might say, oh, that seems so terrible. No, that's healthy, you know. That's this, this how we do family. So just giving us a few handrails here today. These practicals helpful for you? <clears throat> a few handrails because we actually want to have, we don't want to just talk about this. We actually want to reconcile relationships. We actually want to have hard conversations so that we can grow up. And y'all, this matters. This is what prepared me doing this as a single for being married. This is what prepared me to be a parent. This is what prepared me to be a better employee. This is what prepared me to look more like Jesus and be someone who changes the world by my very lifestyle because I look like Jesus, right? And I live like Jesus. So I want to say God, like a natural family, is using the relationships in our lives. Whether we love them or we don't, God is using them to prepare us to grow us to be healthy people that are growing up to have the conversations, right? How are we doing? Amen. And of course, like we talked about last week, and there's plenty of encouragement. There's plenty of love. There's plenty of, of, of showering one another with, with encouraging truth of God's word. I want to invite us to stand up.